Welcome to The Daily Bite with your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today's reading comes from Ezekiel chapter 12. The word of Yahweh came to me. Son of man, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house who have eyes to see but see not, who have ears to hear but hear not, for they are a rebellious house. As for you, son of man, prepare for yourself an exile's baggage, and go into exile by day in their sight. You shall go like an exile from your place to another place in their sight. Perhaps they will understand, though they are a rebellious house. You shall bring out your baggage by day in their sight, as baggage for exile, and you shall go out yourself at evening in their sight as those do who must go into exile. In their sight dig through the wall, and bring your baggage out through it. In their sight you shall lift the baggage upon your shoulder and carry it out at dusk. You shall cover your face, that you may not see the land, for I have made you a sign for the house of Israel. And I did as I was commanded. I brought out my baggage by day as baggage for exile, and in the evening I dug through the wall with my own hands. I brought out my baggage at dusk, carrying it on my shoulder in their sight. In the morning the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house, said to you, What are you doing? Say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, This oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. Say, I am a sign for you, as I have done, so it shall be done to them. They shall go into exile, into captivity, and the prince who is among them shall lift his baggage upon his shoulder at dusk, and shall go out. They shall dig through the wall to bring him out through it. He shall cover his face that he may not see the land with his eyes, and I will spread my net over him, and he shall be taken in my snare. I will bring him to Babylon, the land of the Chaldeans, yet he shall not see it, and he shall die there. And I will scatter toward every wind all who are around him, his helpers and his troops, and I will unsheath the sword after them, and they shall know that I am Yahweh when I disperse them among the nations and scatter them among the countries. But I will let a few of them escape from the sword, from famine and pestilence, that they may declare all their abominations among the nations where they go, and may know that I am Yahweh. And the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, eat your bread with quaking, and drink your water with trembling and anxiety, and say to the people of the land, Thus says the Lord Yahweh concerning the inhabitants of Jerusalem and the land of Israel, They shall eat their bread with anxiety, and drink water in dismay. In this way her land will be stripped of all it contains, on account of all the violence of all those who dwell in it. And the inhabited cities shall be laid waste, and the land shall become a desolation, and you shall know that I am Yahweh. And the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, what is this proverb that you have about the land of Israel, saying, The days grow long, and every vision comes to nothing? Tell them, therefore, thus says the Lord Yahweh, I will put an end to this proverb. They shall no more use it as a proverb in Israel. But say to them, The days are near, and the fulfillment of every vision. For there shall be no more any false vision or flattering divination within the house of Israel. For I am Yahweh. I will speak the word that I will speak, and it will be performed. It will no longer be delayed. But in your days, O rebellious house, I will speak the word and perform it, declares the Lord Yahweh. And the word of Yahweh came to me. Son of man, behold, they of the house of Israel say, 
The vision that he sees is for many days from now, and he prophesies of times far off. Therefore, say to them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, None of my words will be delayed any longer, but the word that I speak will be performed, declares the Lord Yahweh. This is the word of the Lord. So we got a, another, what we might call action prophecy, another way by which the prophet Ezekiel has a visual sign within his life for the people to learn from within this chapter today. You might remember the one from back in chapter 4, as he was told to basically build that little working diorama of the siege of Jerusalem and then lay on his side next to it for 430 days. Here, this one's not as difficult, <laughs> certainly not as ta taxing upon his body. And yet, there's some question marks about this chapter, so let's, let's take a look. The Reminder Son of Man, Ezekiel, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house. That's an interesting line because at this point, Ezekiel has already been removed into exile. He's already in Babylon along with some of the other people. So he doesn't actually dwell in Jerusalem, which is the target of this prophecy that we're about to read. That's not to say that the exiles who are already out um, who are already in Babylon. It's not to say that they aren't still rebellious. The repentance comes, but perhaps not this swiftly. So, eyes to see, but don't see. Ears to hear, but don't hear. Very common language in the Old Testament and New Testament in regards to faith. Those who hear the word of God, those who see the things of the Lord, those are God's people. The hearing, hearing the word of God, being proclaimed, law and gospel, prophecies, all such things. Seeing, it would be seeing the miracles uh, of the Lord and believing, whether it's the resurrection of Jesus in the New Testament, or if it's the, the simple instruction of something like Deuteronomy chapter 4, where they're told to guard their souls diligently, lest they forget all that their eyes have seen. They saw many miracles as the Old Testament people of God, that is for sure. So he's prepared for himself an exile's baggage. I cannot quite tell you what's in this bag. Um, I think maybe the best comparison we have is the old visual image of the, the homeless person who has the stick hanging over their shoulder with a little knapsack kind of tied off on the end of the stick. Um, what we see here is essentially the small amount of luggage that, that a person could take with him as he's carted away into exile. You can't take a whole bunch, right? You're probably going to be walking. You're probably going to have to carry it yourself. So small, like, like a backpack's worth at most. But to whom does he do this prophecy is the question. So he's going to take this baggage. He's going to take the baggage out into the midst of the people in the day, and then he's going to go from that place to another place at night to symbolize that he is in exile. But the people that he is dwelling among already are exiled. The people who need to see this prophecy, this sign, 
are back in Jerusalem. Is it possible that Ezekiel has made that trip? It's possible. It's even possible that he, got, he received permission to take that trip. Do you think the Babylonian king, hearing a prophecy like this, that God was going to destroy the rest of Jerusalem, do you think the Babylonian king would let Ezekiel go and tell them? That seems feasible. The other possibility is that Ezekiel simply does this right there where he is in Babylon, which then has two possible results to it as well. The one is that another person takes the message and delivers it over to Jerusalem um, somehow, whether it's in writing a letter or actually a a messenger taking and, and going to Jerusalem. The other possibility is this all plays out in Babylon and the people in Jerusalem never see the sign. That God's judgment will fall upon them, but they wouldn't have heard it anyway. It's hard to say, it's hard to answer that question exactly how this chapter plays out in that sort of a way. So let's look at the rest of the sign itself. In verse 5, he's got to dig through the wall and bring the baggage out through it. That actually is him shifting positions in the prophecy, the action prophecy. He starts out as the baggage bearer. He starts out as the one to be carried into exile. But at this point in verse 5, digging through the wall is a reference to the attacker, the invader, who would dig through the wall in order to get in and attack and capture. So he's both and. It's a one-man show uh, that he's putting on here. This is a sign for the house of Israel. So he does this, right? Uh, Verse 7 and into verse 8 and the paragraph that follows. The house of Israel responds... What are you doing? And so he answers. It's almost like Jesus explaining a parable, right, in the New Testament text. This oracle concerns the prince in Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are in it. So again, this is not about the exiles already in Babylon. This is a call of, well, a call of judgment, a word of the Lord's judgment upon the people in Jerusalem. I am a sign for you. As I have done, so it shall be done to them. The sign for you part makes it sound like he would be speaking directly to the people in Jerusalem, but at the same time, so shall it be done to them makes it sound like he's still back in Babylon speaking to the people there. See how the, just the language of the text makes this so, so difficult for us to see in our time today without having been there with the people at that time. So here's the explanation. They shall go into exile. Even the prince will lift his own baggage on his shoulder at dusk and go out. Is there a reason for dusk? Hard to answer that question too. Um, Many have suggested maybe the simple heat of the day would have been overbearing and so to make that long trip they would travel at night. That's a possibility. Um, But it could also pair with he shall cover his face, that he won't see the land with his own eyes. So you've got the idea of perhaps shame, that he doesn't want to see what he's leaving behind, what's being taken away from him. And the darkness would help with that idea too. 
So, hard to answer these questions. But Babylon will dig through the wall to bring him out. God speaking, verse 13, I will spread my net over him and he shall be taken in my snare. That's hunting language. Um, up until the snare, probably fishing language commonly as well. But here we're thinking of a trap. The Lord has captured his people. It is the Lord who is bringing them into Babylon and the prince will die there. These are events, by the way, that you can read about in Second Kings chapter 25, where even the, you know, the priest covering his face, he won't see the land with his eyes. Their leader, their king Zedekiah, who was really a puppet king, he was blinded, right? Struck blind. So that's a common practice, apparently, too, for for such captors to do to their captives. God is then going to, verse 14, scatter the helpers of the king, the leader, the prince of Jerusalem, and he's going to then chase them down with a sword and strike them down. That's been prophesied several times in the book already. But a few will escape. For the purpose, verse 16, that they may declare all of their abominations among the nations. So repenting and witnessing, bearing witness to why they fell into judgment, that other nations may also hear it and repent of their own idol worship, their own violence, that they too may not face this destruction. Now, the action prophecy continues in verse 18, or I guess perhaps you could say it's a separate one, giving us two action prophecies in this chapter. Eat your bread with quaking and drink water with trembling and with anxiety. That is going to then mirror what will happen to the Jerusalemites, the residents of Jerusalem, when they are besieged uh, within a couple years' time here. There's no chronological stamp on the chapter, so we don't know what year we are. Last we saw we were probably in 592, uh, the, the siege of Jerusalem begins in 589, so we are drawing close. On the words of the next paragraph, we're going to indicate that specifically as well. Why are they eating and drinking with quaking and anxiety? Because food supplies and under siege are scarce. They run out. Um, concern, worry overwhelms the people as they eventually surrender and give in to their captors. Now, the reminder, verse 19, the reason why they will be stripped of all the land contains on account of the violence. Violence has been mentioned before in the book as one of the causes of this judgment that falls upon them, that they have been violent, that they have slaughtered people in their own city. And there's a mixture here. There's an overlap here with idolatry, especially the sacrifice of children um, to false gods. It's hard to say exactly what all they were up to, but that would be a good example of the problem at hand. And as such, a warning to our own society as well. Final paragraph here. Well, let's not skip 20. The inhabited cities will be laid waste. The land shall become a desolation. The land that was once flowing with milk and honey was so because it was God's provision that has been taken away. Next we see there's a proverb 
that the people of Israel have been saying, the days grow long, every vision comes to nothing. So part of their comments from before, that Yahweh has forsaken us, that we've seen twice in the book so far, visions from God are being said to be empty. The Lord is not present, he is not speaking to his people, and the days grow long, a reference to the darkness that they are suffering. They know hard times are hard, but there's no, there's no prophetic word for them. Well, God's going to put an end to that. He puts an end to the proverb. He turns it on its head. The days are near. The fulfillment of every vision. So, what the Lord is doing, what the Lord will do to them, he is making known to them right here, right now. And it's about to happen. No longer is it far off. It is coming soon. There's another days are near that refers to the last day. The day of Christ's return is near. We'll come back to that idea before we're done today. Verse 24 indicates that the Lord would put an end to false visions. And that's a reminder God is in control of everything. So even the, even the idol-worshipping pagan priests in Jerusalem who are the prophets who are receiving visions from false gods, demonic most likely. God is in control over such things and he's stopping them. There will be no more such false visions in Jerusalem at this point. They will only hear the word of the Lord so that they know it will be performed. Right? Verse 25, I will speak, it will be performed. And he has been speaking. So this is a chance to recap with your kids. What has God said that he would do to Jerusalem? What has he prophesied about them? That's really a summary of the whole book so far. The idea that he would put an end to Jerusalem. He would destroy it because of their idolatry. It will no longer be delayed, but in your days. So the very people living in Jerusalem now will experience this judgment of God. Then he mentions another one uh, that they say. The vision that he sees is for many days from now. He prophesies of times far off. In other words, oh, okay, that might be God's word, but it won't happen to us. We'll be okay. Well, the Lord has already spoken that this is not true. It will happen to them, and it does. But a question again to talk about together as a family. What prophecy do we treat like this today? In other words, what prophecy that the Lord has made, what promise has the Lord spoken that we still think is for many days from now of times far off? That would be the return of Christ, which we often treat like it won't happen in our life. But we are to live as God's people, as though Christ will return today in order that our work may have urgency, our gospel sharing may have urgency, and we also live as though he will return sometime, you know, a few months from now or something like that, so that we also have that perspective of knowing that we need to continue to prepare in case we are still here to serve our neighbor and share the gospel with them tomorrow. So it's a both and in which the Christian lives until Christ returns.